Welcome to Morning Commute. I'm Brad Doles. And I am Sam Albert. You know, Brad and I have been friends for many years. Uh, that's true. Probably, I don't know, five or more. And we've built this friendship on making conversations that we talk about basically anything we can think about. It's like no topic is off the table. And so we wanted to open that up and share that kind of talk with other people. Yeah. So we devised this podcast. It's a 20 to 30 minute podcast in which we just kind of freeform talk about the things that we talk about all the time. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Morning Commute. Where are we? Episode four? Oh my gosh. Yeah. One, two, three. Yes. We're on episode four. That's insane. Uh, thanks for joining us again, everyone. On our last episode, we talked about Tiger King and all of the craziness around that. Oh, let me start my timer. Oh there yeah. We go. And if you have if you have opinions about that, we encourage you to write in because we'd love to get other people's opinions. Our email is morningcommutesambrad at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash morningcommutesambrad. Um, yeah. Do you think you have more things, stronger uh, things to say about Tiger King? Or are we wrapped up on that subject? Okay. I have one question that's tangentially related. Sure. A, a lot of celebrities are doing these... Uh, Instagram pictures where they're dressing up as characters from Tiger King. Mm -hmm. And I was curious to know what your take is on that, given that it's a true story and it's not a happy story. So where is humor in all of this? And to what extent is that okay? And to what extent is that not okay? Do you have an instinct of what my answer is? No, in this case, I really don't. I could see both sides of you coming out both sides. I'm going to go with you think it's bad. Mm -hmm. I do think it's bad. Why do you think I think it's bad? For the same reason that you think the documentary is bad, because it's exploiting someone who's really yeah to me there's very little difference between that broken, and like so blackface did you hear that uh, yeah. There's very little difference to me between that and blackface, between that and, you know, going to a Halloween party as Hitler. Enough time has passed on that that maybe you could say good or bad on that. But the point is, it's like you're exploiting a type of per person and you're, it's, it's, uh, you're familiar with, I should probably just define it anyway for people who aren't, but are you familiar with the idea of punching up and punching down? I am not. What is this? In comedy, there's this idea of like, okay, what are you allowed to make fun of? Um, and the idea of punching up is making fun of the people that have power over us. And punching down is making fun of people who are less fortunate than us. Oh, okay. Dressing up as them feels like punching down. Okay. That's what it I feels like. I was curious. Like do you, how do you feel about that? You, you don't know whether so, you agree or disagree. I would tend to disagree. And here's why. Um, coming from comedy, I don't think, and this might be a little, uh, this might be controversial. And I rarely say controversial things. I don't believe that anything should be off limit when it comes to comedy. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Even if it's something that's insulting me as a, you know, as a middle-aged single Jewish woman, if someone came out and said something horrible in the context of comedy and it offended me and I was upset, I still think that it's more dangerous to say this, you can't make fun of this than it is to say you can make fun of everything and something's going to be horrible and offensive. I'd rather have the free speech than the fear, um, than the t clamping down on that to avoid uh, exploiting or offending, even if I'm the one getting exploited and offended. Would you say that there's a difference to you between clamping down on it and just having your own personal morality on it? I No, I agree with you on that. Because Everyone gets to decide. That's where I fall on it. I don't think it should be against the law. I don't mm -hmm. think that um, 
that people shouldn't be allowed to. But I, if, if say, let's pretend someone had a podcast and we were talking about it and someone asked me my opinion about whether or not I thought um, dressing up as these characters was inherently exploitive and, and basically morally wrong, I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think it's morally wrong to the extent of of making it illegal. There are um, analog spectrums and all of this. You know, mm-hmm. lying isn't the same as murder. But right. do, if I if you were to ask me, do I think in is it more harmful or helpful to dress up as these characters? I would mm-hmm. imagine the people doing it are dressing up because they want those sweet sweet likes and mm-hmm. and they're trying to forward their own career and make themselves popular in the eyes of others. And and there's nobody that's doing it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that's bad to be doing that inherently. But if you're doing it at the of expense of people less fortunate than you, um, mm-hmm. then then maybe you shouldn't. And it's hard to to define less fortunate in this case because I, I could see an argument for what is the real harm here. Like, especially Mm -hmm. when he's in jail and who knows what else has happened. Um, Like, is this kind of exploitive thing really harmful to them? And to that, I would say maybe not, but it might be harmful to us making a habit of it. Okay. And my argument would be... I don't care. You're the woman. Next subject. (laughs) (laughs) My argument would be that we live in a society that is growing too careful. Let me say this. When I saw those pictures of, it was like Rob Lowe dressed up as Joe Exotic. I was like, ooh, because I've seen the documentary and I thought it was so horrible. But, so my emotional reaction was, I don't think this is a great thing to play at. But my sort of moral slash intellectual decision was, we're too, we're getting way too careful as a culture right now, I think. And for me, moving toward the line where you you have to be almost too politically correct. And that's not what, in my opinion, part of the role of comedy on a certain level is to be subversive to the status quo mm-hmm. and to point out things um, that can't necessarily be talked about directly because it is too sensitive. But with jokes, there's a way of blowing things wide open. And, and um, I'm worried that if we start, even as a culture, not even legally, but as a culture, start trying to determine what we can and cannot say to that extent that we're shutting down an element of free speech that I think is important for our advancement as a cult. Yeah, see, and I think... <laughs> I think that comes from not looking at it strongly enough because I agree with you that there are definitely things that we're, we're too afraid to make fun of. But I don't think that when you dress up as Tiger King or characters in Tiger King that you're subverting anything. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing has subverted itself already. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my argument is it's a slippery slope. So if we start policing that, what do we police next? And what can't we say next? And what can't we make fun of next? And where does that lead? I'm more for open borders, so to speak. When it comes <laughs> to I think slippery slope is a fine argument and it's something to be conscious of. But you also, I think, I think the thing to be conscious of is why you disagree with something and being able to put it into words. I think one of my things is if you can't put into words why you disagree with something, then I don't care. Yeah. Because then it's more of an emotional reaction than it is whether or not it is actually right or wrong. And I also want to say, if I see people dressed up as this stuff online, well, first of all, I won't know because I haven't seen it. But second, 
second of all, um, I'm not going to be disgusted. It's fine, whatever. Uh, the only reason I'm essentially putting this forward is because we have conversations less and, and, and get deeper into it. And are there bigger, worse topics that I think should be addressed long before this? Yeah, absolutely. But I also think that it's probably not super healthy for our society and probably does more harm than good if you're just going to look at people who are a side effect of being raised in a really crappy environment and saying, ha ha ha, look at that person, which is, I, I understand that that's not necessarily what the, the intent of the documentary is, but I think it might be the side effect of why people watch it. Or maybe not even laughing, but just like, like horrified at uh, a human being. And an unrealistic belief that that could never be them. Yes. I'll tell you what I got out of the documentary, among other things, but just on a personal note, it made me wonder to what extent do I delude myself every day? You know, because there were just so many people there that either they, I feel from my interpretation, there were a number of people who were just completely deluded about who they are in the world. Uh And it really made me go, oh man, Sam, in what ways do you think you're something that you're not or think you're not something that you definitely are? Yeah, that's, that scares me too. From an oh my inter- gosh! From an entertainment point standpoint, as someone who's tried out for so many things, I'm constantly like, oh, I'm constantly aware of like, oh, oh no, am I that person on um, America's Got Talent who's up in front of the judges? singing horribly and doesn't know how horrible they actually are you know like okay because if you ask the person up on uh america's got talent who is the best if they're good they say yes and if you go out there it's the person who's absolutely the worst and say are you good they say yes so and my instinct is that the feeling of both of those people is exactly the same that from their perspective, there's no real good way to know whether or not they're good, except for maybe a a denial or acceptance of how many people are telling them they're good. Okay, this is a tangential point, and tell me if I'm getting too off topic, but I am hooked on this horrible show, and I'm not proud of it, 90 Day Fiance. And it's all about these people who fall in, they take mostly Americans who fall in love with someone overseas online and they get together and then they determine whether or not they're going to get married. Mm-hmm. And there's this, there are so many this, of these couples. These, these, these uh, people overseas, are they going to be imports? Allegedly, if they're real people, because some of them, we don't even know if they're real people. Wow. It's really disturbing. Um, but anyway, many of these couples, and I'm thinking specifically about this woman who's like in her 50s and and she has fallen in love with a Nigerian rapper who's 30, who clearly, at least from an outside perspective, just wants to marry her so he can come to the United States States and take his music to the States, right? But she believes that he really loves her. And I'm wondering, either she believes that he really loves her or she's so desperate for companionship that she's willing to agree to these terms without really agreeing to them openly. And that's another show I watch and I'm like, oh gosh, like with the gentleman I'm dating right now, I think to what extent am I deluding myself into believing that he cares for me, that I care for him, that we're even a, a good pair up. It literally, it should be a, a, a diversion for me. It's, a, it's an existential crisis every time I watch the show. <laughs> 
I think that one's particularly scary because from my perspective, that's a daily occurrence. Like it isn't every day that you see um, somebody purchasing a tiger and, <laughs> and, you know, raising it and abusing it and having a relationship with someone that they try to put a hit out on and that person maybe murdering their husband. That's a different type of delusion entirely. But I think I personally see the type of delusion and have been a part of the pirate, the type of delusion where you're like, no, this is real love. I found it. I know, I know in my heart, you know, sure. I've only known this person for 15 minutes, but it's like I've known them the rest of my whole life. And how could I possibly be wrong on this? And there's this thing in your body that just wants to lie to you. And, and the scary thing is, is it's, like I said, with those other people, what is the voice sound? How does the voice in your head that tells you this is real differ from the one that says this is real? Yes. <laughs> yes. You just touched upon the thing that, that literally keeps me up at night. There's a gentleman on the show and I don't remember his name, but he has been in a relationship and I'm using air quotes in my head with a woman who lives in Ukraine for like seven years. They've been talking over the internet and for four different on four different occasions, he has flown to Ukraine to meet her and she hasn't shown up. And she always has some outrageous excuse once he gets back to the States, like her brother died or she was in a car accident or she, you know, these, these things that are way out there. Yet he continues to go back and try to find her when it is so clear that she doesn't exist. It's a scam. And yet he, every has she time- she money out of him? I, you know what? I can't remember. I'm, I believe he sent money to her, but I'm not exactly sure. I mean, this, must- what, what's the final thing on this? scam is it a seven year she must have gotten something out of him because i would it's hard to believe that she would run this scam for seven years on the hopes of getting a plane ticket plane ticket or even the money for a plane ticket seven years later yeah. you know it's got to be money you're right. i honestly can't remember because there are so many of them but it's got to be it's got to be now in the episode where i'm at in the series he's gone back to the ukraine to ukraine for i think either the fourth or fifth visit and she still hasn't shown up and now he's trying to track her down in her little village mm-hmm. and it's so obvious but he keeps coming up with well i mean her brother died so she couldn't meet me well she was in a car accident well who knows what's keeping her this time but i'm going to go to her village and try and find her at what what point do you let yourself, do you accept the fact that it's a no-go? And that scares me because I think my threshold is pretty high too. Yeah. I mean, there's, How do you? I think that's a rough question. I think that you can't ever really have like what people would say, quote unquote, is true love if you're constantly guarded all of the time. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you have to be open to it, but how are you open to it and not too vulnerable is um, a worthwhile question. <laughs> And, and how go ahead I was gonna say love in and of itself in in my opinion is sort of this you agree to buy into a certain fantasy in the beginning mm-hmm. and to what extent like how much of allowing yourself to fall into that fantasy is really healthy because you're giving yourself over and and to what extent do you need to have this kind of eye in the back of your head that's like this isn't real this isn't working I got to get out this is what I don't know yeah and to what extent do you not know and it's always just luck oh gosh I can't take it yes well I hear that all the time because one of the things I ask a lot of people who've been married for a long time is I tend to ask them what's the secret and a number of people have told me there is no secret I just got lucky I wasn't smart about this choice I wasn't really even cognizant about the choice I just lucked out and 
paired up with someone with whom I'm compatible. Yeah, I think maybe that's, I think the wisdom of the masses is correct. And it's a really, you know, not every truth in the world is a happy truth. Mm -hmm. I need to lie down. Yeah. Here's advice for people much younger than me. Um, Get married when you're much younger. (laughs) Like I got, I got, I got married when I was 20, 21, maybe. Uh, I think that's too early. You should not get married at 21. Um, But I think that if you're 45, it's significantly harder. I think people are a lot more calloused and careful in love and a lot of people are already taken. So there's a rough range in there, you know, maybe older than 25 and younger than 45 is when you need to get married. (laughs) What do you think about that advice? Yeah. I completely concur as someone who's never been married. I was engaged in my thirties, but I've never been married and now I'm 46. And we've talked about this before and it might actually make an interesting episode to what extent, like what constitutes settling? Because I think once you get to a certain age, you sort of realize, okay, there aren't a lot of options out there for me. um, And this is the this is a great choice. Is that settling? Do you know what I mean? Because when you're younger, you're like, I want to be with someone who's this and this and this and this. And And then we've talked about it in terms of like young people are still settling. They just don't see it as settling. But when you're older and you're a little more pragmatic about things, you're you're pretty much actively settling no matter who you're with because nobody's going to check all your boxes. Mm -hmm. I think you simultaneously said that should be an episode and wrapped up the entire episode in a sentence. What? (laughs) That's the power of my ability to create abridged podcast episodes. Uh Wow, I guess that's, we'll just go ahead and cut that little section now, that like 15, 45 seconds and call that a 45 second episode. We'll put that in for for episode I, number five. And then that episode is for people who work at home, who literally <laughs> just have to go from their bed to their desk. And they're yeah. the morning. <laughs> All right, finish breakfast and start the commute, walking from the dining room over to the S- desk and stop the commute and they're done. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. That's uh, 21 minutes and five seconds. Anything else you want to say in this episode? No, I think that's it. Anything you got that you need to add? Uh, Do you want to just meander over whether or not abortion should be legal? I think we have time for that. Look, I summed that other thing up in 45 seconds. (laughs) I got this in 12. (laughs) We'll call that an episode. Um, Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Do you have feedback for the show? Write us at morningcommutesambrad at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash morningcommutesambrad.